welcome to your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. I'm Shelley Qualteri, your host. This podcast was created for you, the woman who wants more in her life, for her family, and in her relationships. We're going to spend time creating inspiration and motivation while providing you with tangible, practical strategies and tools for your life to find greater happiness, love, and fulfillment. I will provide you with real-life takeaways that have you not only thinking about, but taking action to create your fiercely fabulous life. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back. I am super pumped to share with you today my very first ever podcast guest. Ah, so excited, ladies. All right, let me introduce to you Ashley Yelema. Ashley comes with an amazing background. She has a focus on behavioral psychology and she began her journey many years ago by implementing behavioral interventions in schools, federal prisons, and mental health clinics. After spending some time doing that, she began conducting research projects on gambling and addictions and worked within youth justice facilities. After a few years of working within those areas, she moved into being an in-home family therapist for family preservation and family reunification. This was tough because it involved working with families who experienced incredible challenges, things like mental health, addictions, family violence, trauma, and oftentimes children who've been placed within a foster care system. After many years of doing that, Ashley made the transition into management positions and really began to focus on staff and team development, practicing areas of professional supervision, staff training, as well as developing dynamic individuals development plans, which is an area of passion for Ashley right now. She has her own small business called Karu Consulting and Training. She also specializes with a not-for-profit in the area of homelessness, working with people who have multiple vulnerabilities, including mental health, addictions, violence, and trauma. And when she's not busy doing all of those things, Ashley has two gorgeous little boys, an amazing husband, and has lived not only here in Canada, but has practiced in New Zealand. So let's get started with Ashley. Good morning, Ashley. I am so excited to have you here on your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. You are my first guest. Good morning, Shelly. How exciting. I'm, you know, I'm actually, I'm feeling really good about that and I'm feeling good about being your first guest. Uh, Hopefully I can do it justice. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be good. We're going to have tons of fun today. I'm so excited because uh, you have so much experience and so much knowledge and so much to share that I think it's going to be really important for people to hear a little bit about, you know, Ashley the professional, but also we're going to talk a little bit about you know, creating some balance in our world. You have a family as well and work full time and, you know, starting your own business and all these things. And sometimes that can feel chaotic. So we're going to talk a little bit about that fun stuff too. So first tell me and tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are as Ashley Elma, the professional. Okay, well, my name is Ashley Elma. I've been working in the not-for-profit sector 
for going on 17 years, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, almost hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background is in psychology. I, I pretty much got started in the field as an in-home family therapist. Uh, prior to that, I had done some practicum work and, and things, uh, working in some addictions and in the federal prison system. But I think my real, my real first foot in the door was, um, was the family therapy. So I've spent my career uh, working in mental health, doing a lot of family preservation and family reunification for mm. Uh, you know, children and young people who may have been removed from the care of their parents. Uh, I ran a home for teenage moms, which was very thrilling and, a, you know, a big learning curve for me. Uh, I've worked in addictions and homelessness, uh, doing a lot of work with women who have experienced violence and, and trauma throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. So after I, um, you know, I, I kind of got my start doing the family work and the family therapy, I had the opportunity to move into leadership. Yeah. And that's really where I, where I really began to focus on uh, program development and, and training. I, I really developed a passion for, uh, you know, professional development and helping people grow in this work. Yeah. Yeah. And you have had so much experience and in such a variety of ways. I'm wondering if I can ask you a couple of sort of questions around that family support piece of it, like within that family uh, preservation and reunification. What were some things that maybe you learned in that in in those roles and how it's kind of gotten you to the work that you do now. Lots of the people that I work with and that listen to the podcast, they have families and some of them really struggle with maybe having some systems involved. And what were some of those takeaways for you or learning points in, in doing that family work? Wow. Um, you know, I learned that families were unique. Every family is unique. Yeah. And that families are uh, the experts, you know, parents and and people and families are the experts in their own lives. Mm. So as a, as a family therapist, it's not so much about going into a person's home and telling them what they need to do more about having them guide you on what, what they need to support, you know, for support. Um, I, I've met so many interesting and exciting, you know, families over the years, I, I really learned about the resilience that people have and I learned how to forego judgment because people are really trying to do ba- their best and they, you know, have the best intentions and want the best for their kids as well. Um, but that really no one is immune, you know, no one is immune to to challenges, uh, you know, in raising, raising kids and having a family. Raising kids is hard. Yes, <laughs> you and I both know that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I love what you say that every family is unique and that they are their own experts. And one thing I want, you know, people to hear, and I'd love to hear your perspective as well, is that 
there is, like you said, there is no judgment. And when we're having hard times in our families, whether we're, you know, upper class uh, families, it doesn't mean systems can't be involved or that we don't have challenges. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Shelly, you know, I've, I've worked with families where, you know, I'm in doing the in-home work, obviously, I, I see a lot. I, I've, I've seen a lot of their lives. And I have to respect that when people open the door for me and allow me to walk in and have a conversation with them, they are really being very generous with me. And I've worked with families who, you know, couldn't afford Uh, the electricity bill and made me a cup of tea over a fireplace. Um, And I've worked with families of, you know, that upper echelon where where parents are doctors and accountants. So again, it's not, um, people aren't immune. Yeah. And when, you know, you think about some of that work and that really amazing learning that you have taken away from that frontline work, you know, sitting in the homes with the families and then now transitioned more into that leadership and professional development and, and tell us a little bit about your, your business, your company and how that learning you're trying to take forward to train other leaders and other managers and those people who, Sometimes we forget um, how to connect, whether it's with the families or teams or our staff and that development, please. So tell us a little bit about how that looks in your business and tell us about your business, the name and, and give us some info on that. Okay, so the business, uh, the idea of the business had started actually years ago, well before I actually got, uh, you know, got my foot off the ground here. Um, It's Koru Training and Consulting. And Koru is a symbol of a a fiddlehead or a a fern. Um, It came from my work in New Zealand. Yeah. And it has always touched me because it's something that means growth, new beginnings, and kind of direction and promise. Right. I have always been a person who's been very excited about professional development and, you know, sometimes probably to the dismay of the people that I work with <laughs> because I, I just get really, you know, really excited about it. And I began to see uh, a while back when I first stepped into my first leadership role as a supervisor of, a fa- of an in-home family therapy team. Yeah. Um, I began to see people burn out mm-hmm. and, you know, in supervision, I could see it in their face and I could hear it in their voice. And I started to ask myself the question, what makes one person excel and succeed and carry on in this role versus, you know, the people who are, who are struggling and really um, not very satisfied in their work? And that is where I kind of, where I took off from, from leadership. I, my focus on leadership has always been, you know, to be a positive, strong role model uh, rather than, rather than a boss. Yeah. You know, a boss can tell people what to do. A boss can, um, 
you know, can give people direction and expect people to follow without question. And that's not the kind of leadership that I, uh, I adhere to. Uh, instead, I, I really, I really try to get people excited about what they do, and to give them the support that they need to, to stick with it. Um, those early, some of those early experiences also, you know, I began to, I developed a very good understanding of evidence based practice and best and promising practice and how important that was. Yeah. Um, in order to, you know, in order to support people. So that that was, you know, integral in in the development of my my professional development and the development of my business. Right. And so what what is it that you do specifically with uh, Karu? What is it that you do with agencies or people or leaders? What is it that um, you provide to them with all of this amazing learning and knowledge and experience that you have? So I try to I try to provide a consulta- consultation in, a, in an advisory c- capacity, really, um, you know, on what those best and promising practices are. Um, I have a have a strong background in case management and very in- intentional case management. Yeah. So I provide a lot of training and workshops on on things like that. I have delivered some workshops on, you know, ethics and dignity and practice. Uh, I'm a circle of courage facilitator. So I, you know, offer some pretty unique background in, in terms of my ability to transfer my knowledge and expertise in, into these organizations and the staff, you know, that they're, um, that they're working with. And in, in, you know, in turn, that, that then transitions over to the families and the people that they work with in order to promote, you know, best, best outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also, I do some supervision, so individual supervision of, of staff in, in, in the field and um, really just offer a lot of kind of training and uh, program development in terms of implementation of those you know, models of, of practice. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really what I do. Good. Excellent. And we'll be sure to make sure in the show notes, uh, how to connect with you and emails and websites and all that kind of stuff. So people can find you and connect with you, um, as well. So it sounds like from when you first started, you know, 17 years ago that you've collected all of these um, tools and engagement pieces and learning how to really work with, you know, humans, big humans and little humans and teenage humans who can be challenging in their own ways. What has been your biggest takeaway in the work that you've done, what do you feel like, you know, is that in your leadership role now? Was that, you know, when you first started your career, what have been, you know, one or two of some of your takeaways, those big ones? Well, I think I mentioned a bit earlier um, that, you know, some of my takeaways have been that people are incredibly resilient and, and that, everyone is deserving of, of value and they're worthy. We all come from so many, so many different places. Um, and, you know, we always need to be a little bit curious about, about, um, 
about the people that that we work with because they have a story and if you send them the invitation they're going to be willing to to tell you that story again moving into you know the leadership piece i um have learned so so much about the difference between being a leader and being a boss yeah and yeah. the idea that when we're working with people and we hold positions of of power we really need to reflect on our own practices beliefs and and kind of behaviors mm-hmm. so um yeah i think you know those are those are some of my biggest takeaways you don't need to be authoritarian you don't need to be a boss that's that's not what leadership is about yeah it's really connecting isn't it it's the same way that we would hope that people are connecting with their clients and the people that they're supporting is with some compassion and, and empathy and um you know i work a lot from that curious lens as well switching from judgment to curiosity because you're right it feels different for people when we become curious and hopeful rather than judgmental and harmful, I guess, in some ways. What would you say are common myths that you hear in your areas of work, whether that's, you know, that frontline piece or whether that's in that leadership piece? Well, I think, um, I think for me and just, Along along the path and along the work that I've done, probably one of the biggest myths that I have come across is that people who are struggling with mental health or with substance use, with homelessness or living in, you know, violent relationships, um, that it's a matter of choice and that, you know, that people choose this and therefore their alternative is to choose something different And sometimes, um, you know, people are faced with the reality that they may have more than one choice, but none of of them are very good. Yeah. Um, I work from a perspective of harm reduction, and that's a model that doesn't require people to live without substances or to leave violent relationships or stop putting, you know, using behaviors that potentially put them at risk even if I don't agree with those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in, in my work, I've, I've often been told that I am enabling people, that I'm creating crime, that I believe in <laughs> drug use and, and sex work, and even that I'm putting children at risk. And, you know, that's obviously not the case. Yeah. And it's really challenging, I think, uh, sometimes for people to understand that harm reduction piece of it and what it means, because it doesn't mean abstinence. It doesn't mean cutting out all connections. It really goes back to, you know, what are other options and choices that can keep people safe? And this is a journey. This is a journey for people in these roles. You're right. They didn't, you know, choose to become an addict or homeless uh, circumstances, lots of trauma in their lives. So what do you say or what would you think or what do you hear as being the most worrisome uh, for people, whether that's the clients, the organizations, the staff, what feels like or what do you hear as being the most worrying yeah, it's interesting, Shelley. I mean, right now, 
um, you know, I see people being stressed about their livelihoods and their ability to provide for their family. You know, people are worried about losing their jobs and in turn, they're worried about losing their homes. You know, they're worried about their kids. Um, they're worried about how they're going to maintain homeschooling when, if, when and if they have to go to work. You know, their they're, people are worried um, that they're going to catch a virus that could seriously affect their health. Yeah. So, you know, I hear people asking, you know, not to, not to overwhelm them uh, when they're just trying to get by. And I think we really need to listen to these messages um, and be kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we are we are in such an unrealistic situation, you know, as parents and as women, as mothers, um, being asked to be kind of superhuman and asked to be superwomen. And again, I just, I really think we need to hear hear the messages and, and be kind to one another. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, we're talking a bit about, you know, maybe some of the, the harder things we might hear and see in the world, but these are unprecedented times and all of us are feeling hard stuff right now. And, you know, we're living with our, our humans in our house every single day. And I always say we are, you know, human beings are creatures of connection. But I also now have quickly realized we're not meant to be connected to the same four or five people every single day, all day. <laughs> 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's, you know, that's been a struggle. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been able to work from home and I've been able to maintain that income. My husband has been laid off. He's been responsible for the childcare and the homeschooling. But I think, you know, after a number of months of this, we're all, we're all starting to feel a little bit of that kind of cabin fever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And maybe those connections have to happen with other people. Yes. I agree. Yes. And, and lots of people are saying, you know, there's Zoom burnout and all different things like that. But that's a podcast for another day for us. So tell me, yes. what do you think or what do you um, offer maybe through Karu or, um, you know, other places than spaces that you're working? What things are you or have the ability to offer to support people um, in these unprecedented times and while we're working through these times? Well, you know, I always, I mean, even in, even in regular times, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I always try to work flexibly with, um, with organizations around their budgets, because I know that different, different organizations have different resources available to them. And I don't, so I don't, I don't tend to stick to kind of a hard and fast rule in terms of um, pricing and what I could, you know, what, what I can offer. I try to offer some flexibility there that can work within, within budgets. Uh, I am doing some work on some webinar development that I can hopefully begin to develop virtually. And I have had some conversations with people actually across the country. So that would be, you know, a pretty exciting piece to, to get up and up and running. Um, You know, I'm, I, I offer initial consultations free of charge and I've even, you know, reached out to some individuals in the community and offered that, although there are some limitations in terms of just time and, and um, 
you know, the, the time that I have available. But, um, you know, if I can offer something that's even just uh, kind of your a, a starting point to help people navigate some resources, then I'm more than willing to have those conversations. Perfect. And what about um, training or or consulting one on one? Is that something that that you do or that is available with you? If people are interested. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I I do do some individual uh, individual supervision work. And I am more than happy to connect individual, individually with people to do some, some individual things, you know, help, um, you know, probably do some psychoeducation and some knowledge, uh, knowledge building and resourcing that people could then take back and, you know, and potentially uh, use in, in the work that they do or, or in the organizations that they work for. Okay, perfect. Excellent. All right, Ashley, let's move on to a little bit about the personal you and find out a little bit about, you know, you as a woman, as a mom, uh, you know, my part, my podcast is, you know, fiercely fabulous. And I want to empower women to be, you know, the fiercest, most fabulous version of themselves in whatever piece of their world that looks like. And this includes you. So what makes you feel inspired (laughs) or like your best self? You know, and Shelly, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a conversation that not everyone may, you know, may kind of uh, relate to or agree with uh, my my career and the work that I do is a part of me. Yeah. So yes, I am a wife. Yes, I am a mother. And though you know my children are are my priority and and I love them, but without the work that I do, I'm I'm not a whole being. Yeah. So so you know I really do like to see things come to fruition in in terms of the work that I do because. You know, when I see a, a highly performing team, that's the result of the the knowledge that I've been able to, the knowledge and expertise really that I've been able to deliver. You know, when I see people working together to achieve a common goal, I feel I feel quite, you know, quite validated. Yeah. Um, and that validation looks yeah in different at home, right? We don't always get that same kind of validation from our partners or from our kids that we get from work. So can you tell me, you know, I hear all the time from the women that I work with, um, but I feel guilty, like it's tough for me to go to work or I feel guilty about certain things. I mean, even though, you know, I'm hearing that this is your passion and, and like myself, work is part of who we are as women and that make us, you know, sometimes better mamas the, when we're working and being able to come home and really give to our kids. What look like for you or has working and being that working woman always been a part of the life, the relationship, the kids knowing, and does the guilt look different? No, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Shelly. I, I have the mom guilt, um, you know, prior to this, um, COVID-19 hitting, uh, I was, I was a working mom and I was the mom who was, you know, getting two kids out of bed in the morning and struggling to get them off to school and day home, 
you know, rushing into uh, Calgary with a commute, then turning around at the end of the day, rushing to get home, rushing to get dinner on the on the table, and you know, never feeling that I was quite doing anything anything good enough, mm-hmm. um, and you know, always feeling that I you know, there were sacrifices, whether that was on me physically or on the well-being of my children, of not being able to kind of be present and mindful with them because I always had to move on to the next task. So, you know, that is, it is absolutely a real thing and, and I'm certainly not not immune to it. It was part of the reason why I decided to begin the development of my my own business, really, Um in order to achieve some some better work life balance and you know that's one of one of my goals i want to learn how to be a bit more mindful uh, and present in in the moments especially with with my kids um you know my 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 oldest son has helped me open open buildings open apartment buildings for people experiencing homelessness and some people might not agree with that as a, you know, as an activity for uh, a mom with a child, but, you know, it's who I am, it's who we are. And, and I, I really hope, you know, that, you know, my, my children learn from, from the examples that I set for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, I couldn't agree more. I think that working side of us um, encourages them and lets them know that there's other things out there. I mean, you and I haven't chosen careers that are beautiful and shiny. <laughs> we <laughs> Definitely with, not. Yeah, we work with tough, tough people and in, in our past and maybe not as much um, in our, our current in our current roles. But you know, like you said earlier, there's no, there's no judgment. There are no boundaries or barriers of where violence in families shows up or trauma for individuals. It doesn't matter our socioeconomic status. And I really agree that it's, you know, my daughter comes to lots of suicide awareness events and uh, initiatives and learning about suicide. And in the exact same vein that you're talking about, people may not um, agree with that. But from some of the conversations she's had with her friends or her teachers about it, I couldn't be more proud that she has the knowledge behind it to share with people. And um I love, I love that, that that's part of who you are. So what would you say are some of your overarching goals? What do you want to achieve, you know, in the next 12 months or five years? (laughs) Well, I really, again, I, the goal of learning to be more mindful and present in, in every moment of my life, whether it's with my kids or or at work is um, in my work is is a big one for me because I I have a fear really of looking back on life and feeling like I missed everything in the rush so that's you know that's something that is um, is important for me I I do really want to focus on getting my you know getting my business up and running and uh, moving forward with some of those exciting new challenges 
in order to achieve that kind of work-life balance and, and a better sense of kind of satisfaction and, you know, quality of life for, for my kids and, and for myself. Um, you know, it was interesting just even talking about like the idea of, of mom, mom guilt and those kinds of, that kind of thing. Uh, the other day, my son was out biking and I was just walking around looking for him. And on his way past, he stopped and said, mom, can I have a hug? Mm -hmm. And it was so automatic. I said to him, why do you need a hug, buddy? And he said, I just want one. And I, I, I know. And I stopped myself and I said, you know what? I'm so sorry, buddy. There is no re you don't, you don't need a reason to, to want a hug. And, you know, and so, you know, I gave him a hug and and then he carried on his way looking for his little friends. You know, it's It's beautiful. So meaningful to me. Absolutely. He's not reached the age yet where he's embarrassed to hug his mom in front of his friends. (laughs) Yeah, my oldest is 14 and he's not quite at that hugging stage, but he still does. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this out loud now, but he still does love having me connected to him and spending time. And we do spend intentional time at least 15 minutes, you know, in the evening together. And it might not sound like a lot of time sometimes to people, um, but it's really that quality over the quantity sometimes. And, you know, depending their ages and stages and what they're doing, my seven-year-old's attention looks very different than my 14-year-old. So when you're thinking about like that balance of, you know, work and, and life, I, I kind of have changed that around in my, in my work that I do is thinking about life work balance rather than putting the work ahead of it. So it sounds like with this time of COVID, you have had the ability to be more intentional with the life part of it because you're at home, but how are you starting? And you shared that one beautiful story. How are you starting to create a little bit more of, of that balance in that life and that work? Because also when we're working from home, we can tend to do a lot more work than life just because it's there with us all the time right now. So how are you trying to build some of that, you know, balance in your world right now? And for those people that are, you know, listening to us today in the very similar situations, probably. Yeah. You know, Shelly, one of, uh, I think a big thing for me has been learning to set some boundaries and that is both personally and professionally, Um, You know, at home, being able to say, you know what, no, I can't, I can't do it all. Or, you know, asking and and asking for asking for help. So setting boundaries um, has definitely been a big one, you know, trying for the most part, not to, you know, not to take that after hours phone call, uh, to turn off my phone on my days off. So, you know, I think those are some steps definitely that I'm taking. You know, I talk to a lot of people who have this, um, you know, they can't wait. They can't wait for things to get back to normal. You know, they're struggling with working from home and, and with this move away from that really kind of conventional westernized um, expectation and work environment. And, you know, I'm not, although I have my fears, I have my worries 
I'm, I'm not actually afraid of, of things not returning to, to normal. And, you know, I mentioned it, I might have mentioned it to you or to someone else. I, I actually declined to participate in the old normal because I'm, I'm going to do things differently for now on. When I look back on, on how I was doing things, I really see that I, I was trying to achieve something that was completely unrealistic. So I think for me, you know, it's working on setting those boundaries and taking the learning from, from this time uh, to actually incorporate it into, into my new normal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's been some quotes and different things on, on the internet floating around and, and different things like that. Exactly what you're talking about is the, the normal that we used to know actually wasn't really serving us in a very positive way. We were no. missing out on our kids. We were missing out on connections. And, and you know, I have said to, to clients as well as groups that I've been training and in different places and spaces over these months is, you know, when are we ever given this opportunity to be forced to slow down globally <laughs> and absolutely take the opportunity with our employers saying no you need to work from home and you know not getting upset or worried when the dog is barking or the kids are running into the middle of our zoom call and people have just become so much more open um, and I think people are seeing that we're actually getting the same amount of work done, but we're actually having a lot more happiness, um, yeah. in our world. I'm not to say that the stress of living with your family all the time isn't hard as well, <laughs> but when we break it down overall, there's been a lot of positive things come out of this. I, I agree. And, and that it's not to minimize or diminish the stress and the anxiety and the fears. Um, but I, I agree that there are some new and positive outcomes, uh, you know, coming forward. For for me, it it's that I didn't necessarily have to be a part of that that rat race. I didn't need to to rush to an eight o'clock meeting in, you know, through through rush hour traffic, um, you know, in order to achieve having a career, but also you know, being a mom. Yeah. So, you know, you are a mom of two, two amazing little guys. What would be some yes. of your words of wisdom or things that you would like to tell those mamas out there from some of your experiences? And, you know, I did, I heard you say, you know, setting boundaries, asking for help. Are there other things that you want those mamas to know out there? Yeah, you know, I think for me, Shelly, what I would want to do is try to normalize, you know, people's experiences. And, and I do understand that, uh, you know, my experience of this pandemic and this crisis isn't the same as everybody else's. Yeah. And, and people have experienced far more challenge, certainly, you know, than, than I have. Um, but, you know, I would want to tell other mothers in particular to, to take care of themselves, to take it, take it easy on themselves. Um, you know, just be kind to yourself, access your supports. You're, you're doing great. You're doing well. If you need to reach out and connect with, with a counselor, 
that is that is okay. The stigma of mental health is breaking down day by day, and there's no shame in in you know showing your your vulnerability. I myself uh, see a counselor actually because I struggle with quite a bit of anxiety after being diagnosed with an acute stress disorder and then post-traumatic stress disorder right. from some experience in, in a workplace. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, go around shouting it from the rooftops, but also I'm not embarrassed to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much for so, sharing that because it is important for people to know mm-hmm. that even people who are, you know, successful or, you know, having less challenges in their world doesn't mean that people like you and I don't have challenges in our world or minimize any, anyone, any person in this entire, you know, global place that we, that we live in, um, what challenge looks like and feels like and that taking care of yourself and being easy on yourself. That really was a highlight for me. And, Reaching out to supports, you know, those are huge. Those are huge for people. And I think the thing that I hear as well, and maybe you've experienced this too, is that we feel this shame of sharing that we're kind of falling apart sometimes and it feels hard and scary (laughs) and who's going to judge me for that. But if we don't reach out to those supports and be a little bit easy on ourselves, we crumble even more. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Shelly, I struggle with the expectations that our society puts on women and mothers. I, I have some, you know, resources, both internal and external that can help me, um, help me get through that. And I'm a fairly strong person, but, uh, you know, no one is immune to it. And, you know, so I just, I want to encourage women and mothers to, you know, try to get some rest, whatever that means, if it's spending time outside, if it's having a nap or reading a book or watching some TV or, you know, talking on the phone with with a friend, you know, try to allow yourself some rest. Don't worry about, you know, the state of the house and, and, you know, um, try not to let the external pressure, I guess, get too overwhelming. And I know that's easier said than done. Because we are our own you know, we're our own toughest uh, critics. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I would say to women and mothers, if they're really hearing that negative self-talk and kind of beating themselves up over things that they feel they're not, they're not doing well, or they're not living up to, I would say, you know, if, if that were your best friend talking to you, what would she say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you're, you better believe that she would not be telling you you're not good enough or that you're a failure or that you should be ashamed or that you should be guilty. Yeah. She would be telling you that you're doing an amazing job. Yeah. And I remember a time not so many months ago, actually you and I had lunch together and we, we both had lots going on in our personal and professional worlds <laughs> at that time and really just shared some of that real tough personal stuff uh, and professional stuff that we were dealing with and, you know, had a teary lunch and that was okay because we needed that. And, I remember. Yeah. And it was, I was going to say there were, there were tears in that yeah, lunch. There were tears in that lunch, but having that, those people, those safe people, you know, and, and those things that we talked about wouldn't be things I would share with the world either. Right. And, 
it's important for people, even if it's that one person, that one person that can hear you out, that is a friend or a colleague or both, um, you know, or a counselor or whoever that is, can make such a big difference in our worlds. So any final parting words from you? No, I don't, I don't think so, Shelly. I've, I've probably talked, uh, talked long enough. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I'm good at talking. I so I love it. Can you tell us then, how can people connect with you? What is the best way for people to connect with you? And I will also make sure it is in the show notes. But how do you want people to reach out to you? Uh, well, if people want to know a little bit more or and, you know, get a bit more information about what I do and who I am, they can uh, take a look at my website. It's www.ashleykuru.org. Um, and, and, you know, email and phone also work for me. So, you know, people can people can connect with me, you know, in kind of uh, several different ways and whatever works for them. So yeah, absolutely. You will have uh, those contact details, you know, posted or attached to the podcast. And I just encourage people to reach out if they want to know more. Excellent. Well, it has been a pleasure chatting with you today. My very first guest. Thank you so much for being willing to join me. And I look forward to hearing about how you live your fiercely fabulous life in days to come. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. Be sure to share with any woman in your life who needs just a little bit more. Be sure to follow me on my socials and I look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye for now.